the idea of creating something new from blank, whether it's a book, a new project, a new program, can be very daunting. The idea of staring at a blank page, and I think many people feel like that, especially our time in life, and we think, yes, we want to leave something, we want to create something. Oh God, how do we start? And you've just been talking about the idea of doing your thinking out loud and that being the raw material from which you may end up crafting something. And I just shared with you the idea that I got from a Syracuse University professor of creative writing that it isn't the first draft that is the writing process, if you like. You can get that raw material from anywhere, but it's the continual working, editing, cutting, reshaping that is the writing process. It isn't about building, making my own Lego bricks before I can build something with them. It's almost like someone bringing this big box of Lego bricks into the room and saying, okay, here's your box of Lego bricks, go ahead and play with it. And so there is no empty box that I have to fill before I can start building something and then building and rebuilding and taking things apart, building them anew, building them differently, building back better, whatever the way is that we talk about it. Yeah. And the, the notion of there isn't a need to sit in front and agonize over filling a blank screen with words. There are other ways of making that, that work and other ways of creating something in writing, but also creating my own thinking by having a thinking partner, being in conversation and accepting that the first version isn't going to be the best and final version. Uh, the first version is just going to be that, a first version. And then there's going to be a next version. And then there's going to be another one, which is going to follow. And maybe the rhythm at which these will follow might change. Maybe it takes a day. Maybe it takes a week to create the next version. But mm -hmm. that's fine. So tell me about, you, you're about to start telling me about the diploma. When we talked about doing it in in this sort of way and you started to say that when you were doing your diploma that's sort of how you did it right um so the when i wrote this um, um, diploma thesis at the end of my university years the way that that this usually works is that as a student you have to come up with a theme that is agreed by the professor then you have to come up with a structure so there's going to be a few headlines that connect well and that basically give you the summary of the summary of the summary of what you're going to work on. And then once that is agreed, you actually start writing. And the way that it worked for me is I wasn't particularly good at starting to write straight away. I, I read all the different materials that I believe were connected, made sense, might be good sources to develop my own thinking or to underpin the points that I was going to make in this thesis. And then I ended up a week before the thesis was due to be handed in with 
the structure, no single page written, but the entire room covered with notes and bits and pieces and things that somehow connected to this, this skeleton of that structure. So I then decided, and actually it was over a, an Easter weekend in 1995, that I decided I, I locked myself up into my apartment, brought enough food into the house to say, okay, I'm going to start writing in the morning of Good Friday. And by Easter Monday evening, it's got to be done. <laughs> so it isn't like the 24 It sounds terrifying to most people, I imagine. But it was my, my 96 hours of thesis writing. And once I had convinced myself that there aren't any further reasons to not start writing, I started writing. And I started to put these, take these pieces one by one and put them together and said, okay, here's a point that I'm, I'm going to make, which are the bits that are going to underpin this? And how do I arrange them? What is the order and sequence that works? And, and what does that mean to the point I'm going to make? And surprisingly, on Monday evening, I had the thesis. It was all there, 70 pages, <laughs> and it worked. I wouldn't claim that all of these 70 hours were full of enjoyment, <laughs> but it got me to where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, it is probably very true that the real job of writing is that job of arranging the thoughts and ideas and bits and pieces that have been created into something that has a flow and makes sense. Mm -hmm. Certainly for you, um, there may be people who thoroughly enjoy the blank page and the, the terror it instills and or no terror and excitement. But what's really interesting, I think, I remember in the first time we, we were talking, you were talking about making changes in your life and you linked the changes that you've made a couple of years ago in terms of a career change and, and, and uh, move, move forward you've made back to when you were at university and you made some big changes and you talked about you saw the fact that you did it in the same sort of way. What's really interesting about what you've just been sharing now around what it is you might be creating at this moment in your life. You've just linked it back to the way that you created something in a much earlier moment. And I, I'm just wondering in terms of work in progress is if there is something in this that can help us when we, when we're thinking how to move forward at later stages in our lives, if we mm -hmm. look back to the way we've gone about it. So I'm just wondering for you, mm -hmm. What what are the things that you've done at major changes earlier in your life that you can see would be tools or methods for making changes now because mm. they've worked for you before? Mm. This is uh, this is opening up Pandora's box of how much do I want to rely on what has worked before and how much do I want to reinvent or try other things? 
And uh, it's funny because on the one hand, as an executive coach, I work with people in the space of looking at existing patterns and finding out how these patterns are going to be useful going forward and selecting those that are going to be useful, keeping them, maybe even amplifying them and picking those that aren't going to be useful and relegating them or taking them away from list of available things I can do. Yeah. And so in a way, it's a big question for me to say, why on earth, after all these years, do I now go back to a pattern that I've used 26 years ago? It served me well at the time. Can it still serve me well today? And what if? And is that okay? Or do I have to do something else because as a coach, I'm supposed to help others develop. I'm supposed to develop myself. And therefore, I can't use this because I shouldn't. Oh, there's a lot of pressure in there. <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> so it's, um, it, it opens up a big field to explore. How is this going to be useful? And, and what are the variations I can do? But, but the more I think about it, the more I believe that I'm probably going to do exactly the same thing as I did 26 years ago with material that now that now sort of happens to to exist. And by the way, I've got something that I that I prepared about a year ago. And that is I can I can show it to you. That's a structure. It's a structure of work in progress. Wow. So why is this important? Who can help us understand what's what's going on? What stops us? How can we what are the ideas that we can build upon to to support our thinking? So it's almost as if I said, okay, these these four pages are the structure of what is going to emerge. Now I'm not going to write a master thesis in any way, shape, or form, but this is a structure. Um, it has informed questions that are brought to our conversations. Our conversations are just, you know, bringing together all these Lego bricks that that will then be used. So I, I've, in a way, I find myself in a in a in a rather similar pattern than twenty six years ago. <laughs> yes, and to go back to that. What you said about, you know, in role as coaches, we, we, we try and work out what are the useful patterns and what are the ones to let go of. So as you were saying that, my mind was taken back to our very first conversation when you talked about emotion being energy in motion. And, we, and you were also talking about things moving towards a sort of positive state, things that energized you more than made you fearful. And so... As I was thinking about you creating your thesis 26 years ago and now creating whatever it is you're going to create from all of this, I was wondering whether or not if we went back to that idea of looking to the emotion to, to help us work out our priorities and what we wanted to do, for you, the emotion between thinking, oh, I'm going to have a series of conversations with a lot of different people and out of that I'm going to create the raw material for a book or a programme or whatever. 
or I'm going to sit in a room and I'm going to start at the beginning at my computer, at my desk, and I'm going to create something. Which one <laughs> has the spark of excitement or whatever inspiration that, that, needs, that you need for the energy to do it? Um, well, clearly the first version, the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, the immediate, the immediate um, uh, sort of connection I make to emotions is, is joy. Because this is going to be enjoyable. Every single one of these conversations is going to be enjoyable. I am going to look forward to every one of these conversations. I have a list of 20 names uh, of people that I would in, like to invite into these conversations uh, already because I believe that they would be very interesting people to speak with uh, who can bring color and who can bring different perspectives because they're on um, on at least three different continents living in very different parts of the world um, having different points of view and a different set of experiences they bring into the conversation so the, the this notion of here is something that is the result of a lot of conversations um, as opposed to here's the result of having read 253 a journal articles and 75 books and this that and the other as much as i value that people can do that and as as much as i enjoy reading the result of that it's not my style it's not me i just had an image of you then as a sculptor in your studio but that conversation is your clay mm. and it's the conversations that you work and shape into something that is your raw material mm. that's a very nice image and it's it's interesting. It's it's the uh, I don't know who said that, um, but I think we could find out if we wanted to. There is this quote about a sculptor who had a big block of marble and created something from that big block of marble, and he was asked, "What are you doing?" And he said, "I'm just chopping away the bits and pieces that don't need to be there." Yeah, I think that might have been Michelangelo, wasn't it? Probably, yeah. But, yeah, so yes. It's, it's the, the other way around because you have this big block yeah. and you chop away stuff so that only those bits remain that should remain. And the sculptor working with clay is different because in the beginning, there's just clay. And then you start build to build something. And eventually there will be finishing touches and the, the end result might, might be relatively similar. Mm. The process is different. Mm -hmm. and I wonder if you could look at conversation, though, this sort of conversation that we're talking about in both ways. You can look at the conversation as creating something from the substance like clay, but you could also look at it, it as chipping away in terms of trying to uncover what is the essence of something. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of 
could could follow both processes, couldn't it? It could absolutely, and and maybe maybe there is an element of um, of a a co creation process, which is taking these bits of clay and putting them and and putting them together and assembling them and, and creating something. And then there is an individual part of the process, which is like waking up in the middle of the night, going back to the studio and saying, okay, I'm going to switch on the lights. I'm going to look at this and I'm going to admire it. And then I'm going to start working on it and, and doing things, taking things away, changing things, uh, because I have this streak of creativity and I feel like I want to do something with it. And it's my own responsibility because that's my, my part of the work is to invite people into conversation and to have conversations. But another part is the more individual part, which is then what do I make of all of that raw material? And how do I go from raw material to, to essence? And, and that may be an individual process, like much, much like your professor of creative writing who said that the real creativity is in rearranging, in pruning, in putting things into a different order, maybe adding things or removing things. Um, and that may be an individual process. Mm. Like people who write a book, they will acknowledge the support they had from many different people and they will say something like all the good things in here are in there because of all these contributions by all these wonderful people all the mistakes you see are entirely mine so this notion of there is a shared responsibility but eventually what you see there's also some element of work that I've done myself and it's my responsibility and it may be something that I don't necessarily want to share with others in the sense of saying, I want you to provide feedback. That's the bit where I express myself mm -hmm. based upon all this beautiful raw material that came from all these conversations. Mm -hmm. So where the, the, the process of creating is a shared process as much as the process of consuming watching it, watching that result of the sculptor's work in a gallery uh, on an exhibition is something that many people share as an experience. Reading something hopefully also is an experience that many people share. Listening to something hopefully is an experience that many people share. So it's a it's a conversation between the many who contribute and the person who ultimately has responsibility of what gets put between um, sort of between the covers of this book. Yes, it strikes me that there's artistry involved in both processes here. There's artistry involved in how you create these conversations which is something that's come from you. And I'm very interested in the conversation you had with the Nigerian coach you've been speaking with this week, because it feels to me that what started out in a very organic process 
sort of went to another level when you were talking to her about it in terms of how she started to formulate the way these conversations work in allowing you to think out loud together way. Mm -hmm. What What you described her saying to you that it's speaking and listening, uh, that speaking comes at a pace that allows listening and digesting to be synchronous with each other. And there is artistry involved in that kind of conversation mm. and some form of structure around it. I mean, this is early days, but I think there's something in that that it's not just about having a conversation. It, they're not coaching conversations. Then they're not um, interviews. That it's something completely separate. And it's probably something in between uh, because if I if I compare that to the different types of conversations we can have, in one of our earlier conversations, we said the the similarity between a journalist and a coach is both are curious professions. They use questions. They want to find out more. They want to to explore. They want to to hear from others. The purpose of their curiosity is different. The purpose of the curiosity of the journalist is to write an article and to produce something that will be shown on TV um, so that people can watch it. The purpose is to inform others about what's going on. Where the purpose of my curiosity as a coach is very much to um, to be curious in service of the person I work with and their objectives and goals and ambitions and intentions and and hopes. Mm-hmm. Now, the 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 form in between probably is almost like a like a like a like a talk show i recall one of one of my programs in the us i work with a group of leaders from a large global organization and we had half a day that we spent on coaching skills for leaders and what could it look like if we as leaders used elements of conversation that coaches use in our conversations as leaders like different types of ways of asking questions, different types of listening, being curious and so forth. And one participant who was really enthusiastic about that uh, went home that night. He came back and he said, Rolf, I've got to tell you this. I spoke about what we did yesterday with my wife and I actually started asking her some of these questions and she said, mate, this is, this is like Oprah. <laughs> So I thought, okay, so he's comparing the work that that we've done with what Oprah does on her show. So maybe that's not such a bad comparison after all. (laughs) And uh, it just may be that middle ground of saying, how can I be curious to understand what is important for someone, what drives someone, what they do, why they do what they do, and it's that middle ground between wanting to understand the person, which is sort of the coaching angle, mm. but also doing that in public, which is the journalist's angle. Mm. And, and that, that middle ground, 
of how can I be curious about someone with other people watching? And, and what's that fine line between being curious so that the, the need or the desire of spectators is satisfied to learn about the person mm. without hurting the person, without exposing the person? So that, that very fine line between just how curious can I be with the person I speak with so that it's interesting for them, yeah. interesting for others. And that to me seems to be probably some of that middle ground between the different ways of being curious and the different reasons for being curious. And I think there's another element in it as I'm listening to you that it's also involved in the curiosity angle is involved in the creation of something as well now what that is one doesn't quite know yet but the the certainly in the conversations we've been having you are looking to be creating something in your life that potentially will be something that would benefit an awful lot of people mm. so the more people you have conversations with, the broader input you have, the richer input that you have. But the thinking aloud is the forum through which something gets created. Mm -hmm. That's fundamentally different to an interview or a coaching. It is because the, the journalist will take all the information and then if the the bits of information that the journalist receives from a conversation are the lego bricks will create will put together the lego bricks on their own and then show the results of the world where the person interviewed usually doesn't have a say in in what gets shown and the the conversations that I would hope to have more of would be those where this really is co-creation. Mm. And that's when when the speed of conversation allows for speaking, listening, digesting to be synchronized, thinking out loud becomes richer and co-creating becomes richer so it's creating this type of conversation this type of atmosphere can support the idea of let's do some work together to create some progress together which again is is a step beyond um who is the lady who wrote is it called a space to think uh time to think Time to think, that's Nancy it. Klein. Nancy, that's it, Nancy Klein. It's a step beyond, it's not quite that, but it's rooted in that, but it is something else because it has this element of building right. attached to it. Yeah.